As health and wellness providers, we know that better patient outcomes require a whole person, multidisciplinary approach that we just can't provide on our own. That's why I've started the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I'll be bringing you interviews with experts, tips, tricks, secrets, resources, systems, and solutions so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And creating your wellness center won't feel like starting over. Welcome back, everyone, to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to introduce our sponsor, Jane. Jane is an all-in-one practice management software with features like online booking, scheduling, documentation, and a PCI-compliant payment solution. The time you spend with your patients and clients is valuable, and filling out forms during their appointment can quickly take away from your time together. That's why the team at Jane has designed online intake forms that your patients can complete from the comfort of their homes. And to help them remember to fill out their forms, Jane has your back with a friendly email reminder sent 24 hours before their appointment. This means they arrive ready to start their appointment and you can arrive ready to help. Jane's online intake forms are fully customizable to ensure you're collecting everything you need ahead of time, whether that's a credit card on file, insurance billing details, or assigned consent. You can build your intake forms from scratch or use a template from Jane's template library and customize it further to meet your practice needs. If you're interested in learning more, head to jane.app slash guide or use the code wellness1mo at sign up to receive a one month grace period on your new account. Welcome back, everyone, to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Today on the show, we have Nicole McCants. Nicole, welcome to the show. Yes, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's start with having you share a bit about your story, how you got to be doing what you're doing now. Yeah, so I am a retired psychologist, and if you were to ask me five years ago that I would be here, I would be shocked. I'm a retired psychologist turned business coach for psychotherapists. Uh, I was able to build a group practice in three years to 55 therapists, multiple seven figures and sell it. And then when I sold it, I was like, I have to take this to my peers. I'm going to show them exactly how to do it. So I do that full time now. Amazing. I can't wait to dive into this. Let's start with that. How did you scale your practice to 55 therapists in three years? Before I get into that, can I just tell you, because I feel like a lot of people are going to relate before that. Yes. More about the why than the what. The why was I became really frustrated with hitting the ceiling in my income. I was seeing way too many clients after 15 years of EMDR and couples therapy. I was burnt out. And then one day, 2016, I'm pregnant with twins. All of a sudden, my whole life is going to double, but I cannot see even one more client. So guess what I did? Nothing. I did nothing because there was no business coach showing me the way for two years. Now, fast forward, I have the most beautiful twins and mommy is still working every night, seeing all the clients until 7 p.m. So it was that, that I just, I did it for them. Like I hit the wall. And I'm saying that because I think there's so many listeners that are like, 
I, I can't anymore. Like I was like almost forced to do it. Yeah. And it was a lot of trial and error and wasted time and money and mistakes, that's for sure, until I got a business coach, which I'm very passionate about now because, of course, I help people get there way faster. Yeah. But I think the first thing I did right was I systemized before I hired. I got everything out of my head and into the Google Drive and manuals, and I built the container before I filled the container. And I think a lot of people, sadly, yes, I see you clapping, yay. (laughs) I think they do it the other way around. And then they're like, this is really stressful. And then they stop. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And then so after building the container, you want to fill the container. But I tell people that your first hire should be a mini me. Hire a version of yourself. Why? Because that is your reputation. That is the experience people are looking for. It is going to be easier to move some of your clients over so you get more of that time freedom. And then number three, so first you build the container, then you fill it. And then of course you grow it. And I'm just such a big fan of digital marketing because it works while you sleep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we, I'm, we could do a whole hour on digital marketing yes. for sure. There's so many ins and outs there. Okay. I'm really curious about the challenges that you faced. You know, it sounds like you did a really good job about building the systems first and then hiring and scaling. What were some of the like most memorable challenges in that process of getting to 55? Oh, gosh. I think honestly for me... I had to stop seeing clients. I don't think you can have an organization with that many people in it and not only wear one hat called CEO. Otherwise, I had way too many hats on. And the hat I thought I'd never take off was my therapist hat. Like I was so clear that I was put on this earth to help people. I just didn't know it was going to end up being therapists in their private practice. But back then, that was really hard. It was a bit bit of a grieving process, honestly. You know, I had grown up with some of them, like 15 years and just like watched them change their whole life. And then I took off my supervisor hat. And then of course, I took off the CEO hat when I sold. That was tricky. I think the other big part too was making 55 people happy because I'm a perfectionist in my personality. So I had to grow myself so much. I didn't know that part. No one tells you that part. As you become a leader, like I had to morph and grow and just deal with all my own stuff. So mm-hmm. that was a big growth curve for me too, like being the leader that I had to be for to make it all happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm curious about the automation of your systems. When you were building it to 55 therapists, what are the things that you automated and what were the pros and cons of that? I automated, I had an operations manual and a therapist manual. I operated everything. So we had, and I give this to all my members now, but we had an opening checklist. So every single thing, because we had 24 rooms, 7,000 square feet. So there was a lot to do, right? And there would just be a checklist of all the things. Because I am also, to be honest, between you and I and everyone listening, um, a micro, I'm a recovering kind of let's just say it, micromanager. So I really love the checklist because this was my brand. This was my baby and my reputation. And I just wanted everything systemized. What I systemized, which was truly, I always say systems will set you free. I systemized the onboarding, which can be so much. The whole onboarding process everything. I systemize, what do you do when a, when a therapist leaves? Systemizing the marketing. In terms of cons, I see no cons. 
but I don't see a con of systemizing unless you do. Tell me if you do. Um, no, I don't see cons. My The question that comes up for me around it when I see a lot of automation, right? So automation versus systemizing, I think is an important conversation because in healthcare, I get very protective of automation if we're kind of removing quality of care, right? Okay. Yeah. So systems. Yeah. yeah the yeah. systems. So I, system, systems help you improve quality of care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, um, it's funny because my members, I always call them baby bosses. They come in as baby bosses <laughs> and they always ask, okay, so do I change the system? And I'm like, no, because the system is what holds up this very large ship. If you want to think at yourself at scale, the systems, because then they're not systems anymore. If if I treat you differently, if the dress code is different for you than it is the next person, do you know what I mean? Exactly. But you can be flexible in your leadership. Don't be flexible in your systems. Be flexible in your leadership. Yeah, I agree with that. So you build it to 55. What made you decide to sell it? I didn't. So obviously I did because I did, but oh, gosh, I still remember this. I was approached by a psychiatrist. I would have sold it to no one else. It had to be a healthcare professional. And it was brought up to me by somebody who had sold their clinic to him. And he owns a bunch. And he was Canadian. I'm Canadian. He's from Halifax, which is kind of cool, like people over there. And she had an amazing experience. And I was like, no, there's no way I will ever sell this. Why would I? This is my legacy. I've put everything into this. My my kids are gonna. I, I envision Jackson and Lucas working there, doing all the oh, photocopying. As teenagers, right? Oh yeah, had their whole lives planned out. But it was watching her life change. That's what it was. I watched her sell it. I watched her get paid because you you never know, right? I was like, well, is it really gonna happen? It did. I watched that. I watched her life change. I watched months go by. And she kept bringing it up like, they're really interested. They're really interested. And I spoke with my accountant and he just said, Nicole, just so you know, this doesn't often happen in a lifetime for for you know the whole thing that was going to happen where I was able to exit. And, and here's the key. They were in really good hands. My team was going to get a pension. I could never do that for them. Training yeah. incentives, benefits for everyone. So I felt really good where they would win and I would win. And so I made the choice. Yeah. It's really a beautiful story. I can't even believe it's mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because it last year. So it's still, oh or not goodness. even last year. Oh my God, wait. No, we did. Yeah. A, a year ago. Well, congratulations, really, I just want to say, because you can tell how much you really cared about this business that you built and the people in it and that you really had your hand, at least at the beginning, on every piece of it. And so to sell it and um, sort of transition away of that part of your identity, it's it's a big deal. And I can tell you did it with such care and taking care of your people. So, and I'm sure they appreciated it so much. And it sounds like a win all around, which is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then this year I retired as a psychologist. So just for people listening, when you sell, you often have to sign a non-compete that you won't do treatment, of course, because you're they mm -hmm. don't want you going across the road, right? You started the brand. Out, just start again, of course, and take all the people. Yeah. yeah. But by then, usually you're not seeing clients anyway. So it it uh, it kind of makes sense at that point. Yeah. That's an important detail though, I think, for people listening. Um okay. So 
What would you tell people that are just starting to think about scaling or starting a group practice? What's that advice? You know, it's that magic question. Uh, What would you tell the new providers, new entrepreneurs? Yeah, it's interesting because I just want to tell you that I see you. (laughs) I was you. And I know that uh, my first thing I always say is to systemize and I could hear your answer in your head already. You're like, yeah, but I I don't have time. <laughs> That's why I want to hire. So I actually tell people to raise their rates. When was the last time you raised your rate? Because I find for therapists, it's more motivating. They're like, okay, I'll raise my rate a little bit and then I can work a tiny bit more, carve that time out to begin to systemize. That's number one. And number two is no, you don't have to sit down for five hours to write a manual. Nobody has that time in the day. Systemize as you go. Use Loom. Loom's my favorite friend. The video. I love like Loom. A, oh my gosh, right? I don't know how people did it without like the Looms and all the things. The Loom is a video re- um, screen recorder. And as you are, pr- obviously, you're going to r- remove names, but sending a receipt, a uh, new client email, as you're doing those things, just take videos. And before you know it, you're going to throw it in a folder or throw it in a doc, in a doc. And before you know it, you have a manual. Do it as you go. Otherwise, you'll put it off and a year will go by or two like happened to me. Yeah. I love that. And number th- yeah. So there's also number three. So one, find the time. It, it, it's going to motivate you. Raise your rate a little bit. Number two, systemize as you go. And number three, start dreaming a little bit. I think that just thinking like, ooh, who would my first hire be? A mini me. Wow. Okay. Like, what would that even look like? And ooh, what would my name be? I, I find like just putting it out to the universe putting it out for yourself as like, whoa, this could be a thing. It's easier to live into if you allow yourself to dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Those are so- solid, solid advice. Um, what is your favorite thing about coaching other coaching therapists at this point in your life? Like what just lights you up about it? Oh my gosh. It's so, in some ways to me, it's so different than therapy because I liked really deep, deep therapy. Um, And what I love about this so much is that it's tangible. It's tangible. I hired my seventh therapist. I had many people in August because everyone travels in August. They were in Europe for two weeks and Nicole, my practice was still running itself. So it's more in some ways more rewarding, at least for the way my brain works because you know how you'd have those clients and they were doing well, but they wouldn't tell you. And then you don't know for sure. But with our clients, you see their lives change. And that is visceral and measurable and so rewarding. Oh, so beautiful. Well, it sounds like you're doing amazing work. And um, I'm so glad that we've connected and shared this with our audience today. Sounds like you have a giveaway for our listeners. I have all the giveaways. So today (laughs) I'm giving away a starter kit because here is the thing. I know that you're lost. I was so lost. I didn't know the first step. That's why it took me two years to do anything because I didn't know the first step. So when you don't even know the first step, I find you freeze. And then because you're so busy seeing clients, two years go by. So don't beat yourself up. If you were me, I have a starter kit. Expand your practice the first three years steps. And the link should be in the show notes. I also have a podcast, The Business Savvy Therapist. Awesome. 
great resources. Um, and if people want to find you, you know, to start working with you as a coach, where should they go? They can go to Instagram. There's a party over there, over 40,000 of us over there. Nicole.McCants, which is my name, method, Nicole.McCants method. Wonderful. Nicole, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please visit our website at wellnesscentercreators.com for more show notes and additional episodes. By the way, I love hearing from listeners. Please send me an email at Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L, at wellnesscentercreators.com with your feedback. And if you send me a question, maybe I'll read it on the show, anonymously, of course. Thanks so much again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Wellness Center Creators Podcast.